Namaste, yogis and friends. I'm Kino McGregor. And I'm Tim Feldman. And we would like to welcome you to Miami Life Centers podcast. To do this, this talk today because um, I feel that the, the nowadays we, when we talk about yoga, we think like immediately we think that we're talking about asana. So, so if, if you think some, sometimes when we ask people what they do for workout, for, for exercise, they normally say, I know I do pilates, I run, I do weights, I do yoga. <laughs> and that kind of, at the beginning, I, that kind of bothered me because I was like, this is not a workout. Uh, because we're trying actually to go beyond the body in the in the asana practice. Even even we, we, when we are working with the body, we are actually doing with different purposes that we're gonna um, like uh, study now. So um, first of all, uh, asana literally means the seat. It's like it's like it's, it's a seat. Actually, when you're sitting, you're still. Um, and, um, and Patanjali, even he only dedicates three uh, yoga sutras out of one, 196 uh, to, the, to the practice of asana. Uh, but we're going to go into that a little bit later. So the, the um, asana, um, even though Patanjali only just talks about asana, but he doesn't say like which specific asanas you, we should be working on. And I guess it was because because the, the the yoga sutras at the beginning, the first two yoga sutras, at the first one, he says like, now we're gonna start studying yoga. We're gonna start like saying what yoga is about. And then in the second sutra, he says. Um, it's like now yoga is the cessation of the vitris. So the vitris are the, the fluctuations of the mind. So what that makes me feel is that is Patanjali is more directed into the mind than into the body. But of course, the body is an instrument in order to go to get that cessation of the vitris, so the, the fluctuations of the mind. So at the beginning, the first book of the Yoga Sutras, he explains, uh, and I think it's for more advanced, I feel that the, the first chapter of the Yoga Sutras is for more advanced uh, students, where the mind is more purified, it's more sadvic. Um, but, but it's like, it's the beauty of these, these practices that he doesn't just put apart people who are not like that advanced. Uh, so in the second chapter, he's, he explains how to do it, how to reach this state of samadhi, or how to how to get your mind to be still as the purpose of yoga. Okay, so <clears throat> um, you see, you you have seen the last weeks. You probably listened to um, Tim and Kindo talking about the yamas and the niyamas, and the third limb is asana. And uh, here's when he starts talking about the, the asana. He says, uh, in the first of those three yoga sutras that he dedicates, he says the, the asana should be steady and comfortable. Uh, what that means for us is that the, the, when you are uh, performing, for performing an asana, the asana, the body should be still. 
So if you see people that like adjusting too much in the pose, like uh, moving too much, it's because there's a still a lot of rajas in the body that we are trying to purify also with asana. So of course, asana is an important practice in the, in the, in the whole yoga path. Okay, it's not that it's less important, but it's, it's like in that purpose. And comfortable is like, is because the body should be able to relax in those asanas, in the asana. Okay, um, so there are some books that are more specific in the practice of asana, like the Hatha Yoga Pradipika. Um, in the Hatha Yoga Pradipika, uh, there are like, there are, I think there are 84 asanas uh, that are explained in detail and how to do it and how to get to the perfection of that asana. Um, but there are, there are some other systems that says that the, um, there are like as many asanas as species, species mm -hmm. in, the, in the world as animals. So it's, it goes up to, I think, 8 million and 400, yeah, yeah. Exactly, something like that. Yeah, but in the Hatha Yoga Pradipika, Shiva is Shiva who actually teaches the, the asanas. He only teaches 84. I think in Ashtanga, I don't know, but we go past 84. <laughs> like, I don't know, at least the primary series, I think we do more than 84. How many? 72. 72, exactly. So we get close. Um, but... Uh, I'll say that the, the, um, the idea of doing all these asanas is to get the body to be comfortable in, like, I, I, uh, it is said that the two most important ones are Padmasana and uh, Siddhasana, which is like something like this, where you can see it like this. Uh, and of course, that is to prepare the body for meditation. So we perform all those asanas only uh, with the idea of being able to be steady and comfortable in, this, in these positions for meditation. Um, of course, we, when we are working, like, perf uh, working all these asanas with, we do in Ashtanga, we are trying to find uh, the body to get healthy, to get stronger, to be flexible, uh, because it's it is nice to have a nice uh, a healthy body. But we are not trying to find squares here, and <laughs> in, you know, and like it's if it comes, it's nice. It probably comes. Why not? If it doesn't come, it is not what we're looking for. Uh, but yeah, I think. Um, in order to get the, the, the mind to be still, we need also a body to be healthy. You know, there is, there is so much movement in the, in the mind when we are feeling sick. You know, it's like it's hard to, co to, to concentrate and be focused if, uh, if we are sick. So, of course, we need to work on the asanas to, to get a healthy body. Um, so, uh, so, it is important and um, to keep working on asana, but in a different, with a different direction. Okay, in the second, um, in the second sutra, then he says, okay, so the body has to be steady and comfortable, and the asana is only mastered when the body is completely relaxed 
so the mind can be still as well and keep, can be focused and he says the infinite. Um, what that means? It means that when you are uh, practicing an asana, normally at the beginning when we start practicing asana, the mind is very mobile and it's very rajasic. Rajas is the um, is the one of the qualities of the of the matter where where there is a lot of movement. It's, rajas actually means means movement. Uh, so at the beginning, the man the mind is very like rajasic. It's, there's a lot of movement, uh, so it reflects in the body as well. Uh, so the body and the mind is when we can see that the mind and the mind, and, and the mind are so connected that if the mind is rajasic and it's mobile. The body, it's, it's hard to keep it still and all the way around. If the, if the body is too rajasic and too mobile, then the mind has a hard time to concentrate. Um, so that's why they say, uh, Patanjali says, that the, the, the asana is only master when the body is completely relaxed. So the mind can concentrate in the infinite. So... Um, so we tend to think that the, the, we master an, an asana when we can bind and we can get the wrist in Marichasana C and we can get the legs behind the head and we can do all those beautiful handstands and pincha mayurasana without moving a lot. It is not mastered, according to Patanjali, even if you're doing the full second series, third, fourth, whatever it is, whatever you're doing, the asana is just, it is not mastered if you are not, if your mind is not able to concentrate and to focus on something greater than the body. So um, he actually says that at this moment, when the body is completely relaxed, it, the, the, the yogi, because at that point it is a yogi, <laughs> before it's something that was performing asana, at that point the yogi kind of loses the... the um, the consciousness, the consciousness of the body. It's like the yogi loses the awareness of the body. Um, so it's like Patanjali and, and the, the, like the scholars and the, the, the traditional text, normally some of them, but especially Patanjali talks about the body as saying that the body is a bag of waste. Pretty much. <laughs> so it is, that's why we need to keep cleaning it up all the time. So we need to clean the, the mouth and we, we need to keep cleaning the body. And that's what we're doing in asana as well. So especially for us in the primary series, we are cleaning the body constantly, every day. Every single day we're cleaning the body. Uh, so as we, you're trying to get the, the, the body clean and light. We're trying to purify so we're trying to get the body to be sattvic as well. Uh, in that way, when we are practicing the asana, the, the yogi, because the body is light and because it's so relaxed and, and it's like there's no sensations, there's no feelings, there's no nothing, so the, mari, the, the mind can actually go ahead and concentrate on something greater. Uh, at that point is where the asana is mastered. No, no, no. It, it, it has nothing to do with the binds or anything like that. Okay. <laughs> um, and then once the, the, the asana is mastered, 
according to Patanjali, when all these qualities are there, um, he says that there is no sensations as <coughs> cold or heat. Uh, it's like all the in, in everything, all the, the shades in between. He says, uh, cold, heat, hard, soft, light, heavy. All those um, qualities get they all disappear. Okay, so with it, all the hunger, the thirst, the anger, everything disappears as well. Um, and again, the, the mind at that point is ready to concentrate. And it's like, it is not a state of meditation, but it is a state where we are ready to go to meditation. Okay? Um, <clears throat> so, this is like the, the point of view of Patanjali. Like, uh, again, this, the asana should be steady and comfortable. And then uh, it is only master where the body is completely relaxed and the, body, the, the mind can focus on the infinite, as he says. And then all the dualities and the opposites disappear. Okay, that is what, what um, Patanjali says in the, in the Yoga Sutras. Um, any questions so far? Doubts, concerns, complaints? Yeah. I, I find it like it's crazy how the Ashtanga yoga system kind of like makes it really hard for you to not want more poses. Exactly. But I think that's part of the challenge in Ashtanga yoga. It's like if you cannot be attached to poses and practice Ashtanga, but it's just like that's such a hard place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we are talk- we're gonna talk about the the okay. how asana works in the yamas and the niyamas. Okay. A little bit. Okay. So yeah. So th- because yeah, that happens. Like you that happens. Pose, you can get the next pose until you bind. Yeah, you know? and then exactly, and then you get all the poses, and then you like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna do that long practice. You know, it's like <laughs> 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 my practice getting so long, I don't wanna do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's it's again. I think we, part of um, Santosha, Santosha is contentment. So we can always practice Santosha in the asana practice, trying to do that, trying to be satisfied with what we have, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. A long practice, a short practice, a practice where I cannot get the legs behind the head or I cannot get the bind, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because what we're trying to do is to, at the end, at some point, to sit in Padmasana and meditate for as long as we can. That is, the, that is all the whole point of all this that we're doing. As crazy as it sounds, that we in Ashtanga, we, we get so like crazy about getting the perfect asana and, and working towards that specific asana because I didn't get it in 10 years or, you know, or <laughs> like those things, it doesn't really matter, you know? I think, yeah, yes, yeah, is what it is. Yeah, sure. So um, if you have a good practice or just any practice, then you're ready to then sit and, and meditate, ideally. The, you have a good practice? You just have a practice, you complete a practice. Yeah. And you sit and you should sit and meditate. Yeah. So you have a good practice when you have been able to not shake in the poses, to not tremble, uh, when you have been able to, key, to direct your mind somewhere else beyond your body. That is a good practice. 
I don't think any of, uh, I mean, at least not me, I don't, I, I haven't mastered any, uh, some of them, yeah, where you can actually enjoy one specific asana. I think the assignment for this week was actually that, to choose one, one asana where you can find that comfort and steadiness and try to direct your mind somewhere else. Uh, that was the, the assignment for this week. And I think we can now, uh, after this, maybe during the weekend, try to do that. Try to find one asana. For me, for example, is Janushishasana A. I can, I can just be there, you know? But also, it cannot be an asana. Uh, they, he says also something else that he says that um, it, have, it, it has to be an asana where you're sitting up. You cannot be laying down on your back or you cannot be standing and moving because if you're standing and moving, then your mind is moving too much. And if you're laying down on your, on your back, then it's, like, it's, it's easy to fall asleep. So, yes. Yeah, they're very, they are very specific in so many things. Yeah, so, so if you want to meditate, uh, you need to be sitting up and with your spine as straight as you can. And the, the top of the head reaching up towards the sky and like the chest up and the, the head slightly leaning down and closing your eyes. It's yeah. kind of, that's kind of how I see pranayama. It's like, I'm not ready to meditate. I can't meditate. Meditating is really hard. So I do pranayama. It's like, <laughs> so like, can we entertain while I sit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I cannot do I cannot do poses from the fourth from the fourth series, yeah. but I still have to do the primary series poses. Okay. You know, so you're working towards towards right. that place. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't. I think I think that at the beginning, people who meditate here probably they we see it and the mind starts going like crazy, even worse. It's worse when yeah when you try to keep your your mind still, it's it's like it starts like I am not gonna be able to do this. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna start like I'm gonna stop breathing. I don't know, yeah. and it's a process. It's a process where you can go with, that that you have to go through mm-hmm. in order to. But it's practice. Yeah. Again, it is like everything else. It's just it's practice. Yeah. I was wondering. First of all, you can definitely meditate. <laughs> um, but second of all. I was um, thinking with my yoga practice, my very um, undeveloped yoga practice, I am trying to get into my body more, not to have my mind go elsewhere. And so I was wondering if you can help me with that distinction, because since the unconscious mind, so much of it is actually in the body and generated by the body, can you help me understand, are we always trying to move to the point where we can have the body stable and be focused on something else? Or are we trying to do that only for the purpose of being able to sit without movement and be completely focused on whatever our... Yeah, they say also in the, in the, in the text, I don't know what exactly what text it says, but they say that you have to go through a process where you have to experience sometimes pain, sometimes discomfort, sometimes you, you feel that your body doesn't stay still. You have to go through that process, mm-hmm. so it is okay, you know? And then eventually, eventually when the body is still relaxed, 
your your task, your homework is to try to di direct your mind somewhere else, according to Patanjali. Mm -hmm. So what kind of object are we focused on when we direct our minds to? Your, yours. It might be, he says the infinite. He says the infinite, but um, in Kriya Yoga, the, there are, you can, yeah, you can focus on God, if you, if, in Ishvara, Ishvara if you want, or your breath, something that is a little bit more subtle than your body. So it's, it sounds a little like what you're effectively doing is trying to learn how to meditate in any position, whether you're sitting no. or in an asana. No, you are in a, in a transition between that point of relaxation and steadiness towards meditation. It is not meditation yet. But it is, I, I would say that it's more like dedicating that to something greater than you, whatever it is. It is not, it is not that you can, you focus your mind. I mean, of course, they say focus, but it's like you can dedicate the practice to some, something greater than the asana. When you're able to do that, this, then the, the asana is, is perfected, is mastered. So, but then you are not meditating yet. It's, it's, a, it's a point, like be, behind that, behind meditation. Sure. Just my it's a comment on that is um, what I believe what we're trying to do in the asana is to learn to um, maintain a balanced mind, an equanimous mind, yeah. free from judgment. So if you can't do that whilst you're, you're experiencing intense sensations in the body, the chances of you doing that while you, you're uh, focusing on subtle sensations is, is not going to work. So yeah, you start from the very gross sensations um, through the, the, through the now, more subtle. Then you move to the breath, which is more subtle. Then in your actual sitting position, now you're dealing with even subtler sensations in the body. Mm -hmm. And you slowly, slowly get more and more, more subtle. Yeah, when the, the beauty of I, not to not to uh, talk bad about the other systems, but Ashtanga is what I practice, so I I have to talk about that. The beauty of this practice, this, this system, yeah, I don't do anything else but this, <laughs> is that you do the same thing every single day. Uh, so that's that makes it more possible for me, you know, because. If you are not changing too much, you have the same practice, and you kind of you, you know what's going to happen, you know? So you can direct your mind to something else. Of course, I mean, we are working towards uh, sitting in, in Padmasana, so we need to work on opening the hips and trying to keep the, like, some integrity on your body to hold your body steady and still and straight. Um, so of course you need to think about those things at the beginning, but there is a point when the, the, the asana is mastered, when you just don't feel about anything like that, like that. Just, just go on your, on your asana practice, you know, and it's like, it, it becomes more subtle, more, more sadvic. Yeah. Yeah. Make sense? Sure. One more, I'm picking up on this point. You know, the asana practice, it's a very physical, kind of gross body um, sensation. Then the next step, would it be a pranayama, which is much subtler? You're seated, you're focused on your breath, it's kind of as a step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel that the, the A limbs go from, from 
like a gross part from from the body working working with others the way you relate to others and the yamas and the niyamas the, the way you relate to yourself and and yeah, and the yamas and the yamas in asana, and then you start working in more subtle places of your body, like uh, in pranayama, that you work with your with your uh, with your breath, and then pratyahara was goes more like into the the mind, and then meditation, all those those steps. Yeah, but it's like it's uh, the system is very beautiful because you start working with what you know. Like we don't know much about the we breathe. Of course, we are breathing all the time, but we don't like pay too much attention to the breath, actually, until we go to a, to, to a pranayama, you know? So, so it's like you start working with what you have. You have your you, like you relate to others because we, we live in society. So you have to like work on non-violence, like no harming. It's like the way you relate to others and still this, you know, this thing. And then when you start working in um, the niyamas, also it's like the way you relate to yourself. So you you work on the self-discipline, but it's, it's still this, you know, like all this. The way you you uh, train yourself to do something else, you know. And in uh, the asana, also you're working with your body. And then when you start working pranayama, it's something that you don't know. You, you, you don't know those places. So I feel it's like that's the beauty. It's like you start going from the outside to the, like to the outer world to the, in the, into the inner world. Yeah. So, yes. They say that the, the I don't remember if it's pranayama, is like the, the bridge between, between the yama and the yamas and the asana and the more subtle practices like meditation and, and uh, samadhi. So it's, it's like the bridge between those, yeah. Like from the conscious to the from the, conscious. from the conscious to the unconscious, to the gross to the sorrow. Yeah, from the gross to the sorrow. Okay, anything else? No? Okay, so, <clears throat> so as, yeah, we were, um, ah, yeah, I wanted to talk about this. So <clears throat> they say a lot, I, I heard a lot of this thing of, like yoga outside the mat, and um, I feel that people feel that because we're working on stuff that, for example, working in drawbacks and things that we are scared of, and we're working with the fear, with the frustration, with sadness, with happiness, with with feeling that we are super women, super men, <laughs> all the stuff. We are be, we're gonna be able to recreate that outside the mat, and I just I feel that is not true. <laughs> but yeah, it's not that because you did something today that you were scared of and you did it. Now you're gonna be able to do everything that you were scared of. No, I don't think that works like that. Uh, sometimes maybe sometimes you feel like yes, it starts like moving your mind in a way that you feel that that uh, you can do stuff. But I feel that. Be working on the mat and working on asana is an amazing, amazing place to to be aware of yourself, to be like to to observe how you deal with stuff, like fear, for example. Fear, I don't know why, but fear is my favorite subject. <laughs> <laughs> or frustration. Um, 
so I, the, I, the way I feel is that once you work in an asana, in a specific asana that makes you feel, makes you feel uh, frustrated or fear or you can feel sadness, it's an amazing, amazing opportunity to observe how you deal with that. And that way, when you have a situation where you have the same, the same feelings, the fear, frustration, sadness, happiness, whatever it is, you know how you, how you were able to deal with that before. And then you can start changing, you know, like changing the picture. Uh, I feel that the only way to change uh, ourselves and to change the world is by observation and uh, changing what the pattern, right? So, um, so I feel that asana is an amazing, amazing place to do that. Um, it, and it is not, that's when yoga outside the mat, you know, like start playing some role. And it is not that we're gonna be happy and perfect and, uh, and sadvik and you know, no, no, no. But we, we it's, it's a matter of observation. Like there is a, um, Swadhyaya is the study of the self. So it's an amazing place to do that, to study ourselves. Like keep observing, observing, observing ourselves if we're gonna change. Um, yeah, any questions about that? No? I agree, it's like an amazing tool. It's an amazing tool, tool. exactly, it's, it's a tool. A playful way to do A playful way if you want to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's playful. <laughs> yeah, 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 could be playful. We as Shanghai feel that we are very, we can be very hard on ourselves. So it's hard for us to be playful. So yeah, it might be an invitation to be just playful and observe. Like sometimes I like to observe my daughter the way she acts because I feel my ego acts like my daughter sometimes. It's like, I want this, I want this, I want this. Take it. Ah, no. And now I want that, you know? It's, it's like, it's, it's an amazing tool too. So, yeah, I, I think we, it's, it's nice to, to feel our egos are like, like our little children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. I mean, it's okay. We, we have to, those egos for now. And um, just observe. And if you want to change, just observe yourself. And, and, and I, I've been trying to do something nowadays that is like when there is a situation where I have something that I don't like with someone else, um, like with my asana, when I have a situation when I don't like something about the asana that I, that I am doing, I, instead of like trying to change that person or trying to change the asana that I am doing, I am trying to observe myself. I, I am not being a master in that yet, but I feel that it's amazing when you start, like, I cannot change Marichasana D. I, I cannot change it, but I, cannot cha I can change the way I approach it. And I, I can change the way I feel uh, about that when I am doing it, when I cannot do it, or when it was so easy for me to do it. It's, it's a way that it's, then I can change. 
I, I don't want to, I cannot expect people for to change for me or asana to change for me, but I can change the way I approach those situations with asana or with a, with a relationship. Okay. Um, yeah. Some complaints? No, no, not complaints, but just an <laughs> observation on that. And I also have to myself is that, um, I mean, there's a whole saying that what, what you resist persists. Um, and I found to myself, I only change when I relax and I surrender into something. And that really is, if you don't like an asana, you will, you will not like it until you surrender to it. Yeah. Yes. And then that's the only time you will actually adapt. And that's really the, what we're trying to do, is to adapt our body to be able to sit in meditation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, there is a work always, of course. The, um, I, this is a very personal like, perspective, but I feel that nowadays the, the meditation is a beautiful tool, but also it, there's something that we should do um, in, in relationship to others, you know. So I don't I don't know what I'm saying this. But <laughs> yeah, because of meditation. I, what I'm saying is that the 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 world can change with meditation, but there's a lot more to be done aside meditation. Like it's, that's why we're saying like when you surrender to an asana then just more able to, to meditate. Uh, but also there's more work to do. So yes, yeah. That's why the yamas and the niyamas are there. So there's always work to do. But when you surrender, you're able to be able to do. When surrender comes the next. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Surrender is, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's um, there's another aspect of yoga, the, the one of the uh, niyamas, and it is Ishvara Pranidana, is surrender to God. It's a way like it's like saying, I I just can I cannot do this. Just someone who come here and help me and just surrender, you know? Yeah, and then and then maybe you do it, maybe not, but then but you are relaxed. You're okay with that, you know? So there's something that actually changed. Yeah, yeah. Okay, something else? No? Okay. Um, okay, so I also uh, wanted to, to talk to you about how to work in the, um, the yamas and the niyamas in asana. Uh, the, first, the, the first of the yamas is non-violence. I think it, that's easy. <laughs> that's easy to, to apply. Um, Ahimsa, non-violence, of course, is like, let's say in, in our, our Ashtanga yoga practice, we have a sequence, right? So we, there are people that want to stick with the sequence no matter what, and they, we want to get the bind no matter what. Even if the, we break the knees and the shoulder and the back and we don't care, uh, okay, there is no Ahimsa there. So if there is no Ahimsa, there is no yoga. This, uh, the first of all the limbs, the first aspect of the all limbs, uh, they say that when, when, when they put in order the, the aspects, the first one normally is the most important. 
And so ahimsa, nonviolence, I think is the most important of all. You have to apply ahimsa in everything, even in meditation. If you meditate and you see people, someone that is outside that needs your help, ahimsa comes first than meditation. Or, you know, so it's the same in asana. Same thing. You cannot break your knees. Yes. Mark, you think. Que paso, Mark? Yeah. So just be gentle, be nice to yourself, be kind to yourself. Don't break your knees, don't break your body just because you want to stick with the practice, with the sequence. Okay? Uh, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> and dance. <laughs> he gave a non-ahimsa look to the music. <laughs> <laughs> ahimsa. Yeah, but still, still there is a way to practice, to do this practice when we are injured and we are going through pain. Uh, we can always modify. It's again, again, you always have to check on your ego. So yeah, I, I always like to say that because uh, there are people that want to stick with the practice no matter what, and there are some other people that want to do a completely different practice because they think they're so special and they need to modify everything. That's, that's not good either, but all the way around as well. <laughs> you need to break anything. You can modify your practice if you need to. So it's putting your, your ego aside. Okay, so it's, there's, there's always a way to practice ahimsa in, 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 in asana and still keep practicing. Yeah. Um, then truthfulness. So for me, um, being a teacher, being a teacher is a perfect scenario to work on truthfulness. I cannot teach anything that I don't practice myself. Um, so that's why in this system, for example, I cannot teach some poses because I am. I can teach at some point in the sequences, whatever sequences it, it is, uh, but I cannot teach anything that I am not doing myself. So that's that's a beauty, the beauty also of this this system. Um, I don't know if any one of you has a good example of truthfulness <laughs> in the asana practice. Okay, go ahead. So, apparently there was this woman who had a small child in India who just would not eat anything if it didn't have sugar in it. And she got so desperate she didn't know what to do. So she finally went to see a great man. She took her son across India to go see him. And uh, she got to him and said, Mr. Gandhi, Mr. Gandhi, could you please tell my son to stop eating sugar? Gandhi said, come back in two weeks. So she went all the way back and forth, came back in two weeks. And she said, Mr. Gandhi, Mr. Gandhi, please tell my son not to eat sugar. And Gandhi said, don't eat sugar. It's not good for you. So she was very grateful and thanked him and then said, why couldn't, have you, why couldn't you have told me that two weeks ago? And he said, because two weeks ago, I was eating sugar. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was being truthful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is a good, a good way to see it. <laughs> also, it, it probably just 
extends from the non-violence thing is just being truthful about your own capabilities and where you are and not where you would like to think you are. So like, you know, if I step onto the map and I think, no, nah, I can definitely do a handstand. It's like, it's not being truthful Yes. myself. Yes, yeah. exactly. Deluding myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, people who, who, yeah, that happens all the time. It happened to me that I wanted to do more advanced poses even though I wasn't being able to do even the, the standing poses. So, so yeah, that is a good way to, to put it. Like being truthful is like, okay, I'm going to stick with this practice until I'm able to do more advanced practices. Why not? Be patient. Again, this is uh, the perfection in asana is not doing advanced, advanced, advanced asanas, but being, trying to be still, relaxed, and, and when the mind is more calm and can direct to infinite, according to Patanjali. Yes. I would say that what I'm confronted with is um, like the truthfulness of the count. So there are some poses where the five count is great and I can do like 20 count. <laughs> and then there are poses where I do my count number two and I'm like, when can I get out of here? So it's like, yes. so it's like yes. keeping that but also like the pace that you've chosen for that day to like keep it steady. So yes. for me, that's where truthfulness is. Perfect. Awesome. If I get out of this, I'm cheating. Yeah. <laughs> I know that I'm cheating. Thank you. So, Thank you, yes. Natalia. Yes. Perfect. Yes. So good. Yeah. I have a question. So I think I heard, I think it was Patricia saying this, that when we feel pain after a class in like our neck or our back or my hip, would you say that that's more because of our mind versus the practice, or would, like not our like not that we're making it up, but that it's that we're doing the asana too much with our mind instead of feeling it? Maybe, maybe you're going to go beyond your limits. Maybe, but again, sometimes at the beginning of the practice we need to go through pain. That's what they say. Yeah, I mean you cannot. You cannot expect to come and sit in lotus right away and not being like having some pain, you know? So you have to go through the other steps be yeah. before that and experience some pain there to be able to do the other things. Yeah, yeah, you, you are not, sometimes we make up some pains. <laughs> yeah, we make them up for some reason. Yeah, yeah, we actually feel them, actually feel the pain. But, 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 yeah, maybe, maybe you're going beyond, but there is a fine line there too where you, it's, where you have to be truthful to yourself and seeing if you are going, like you're going beyond your limits or if it's okay because there are some pains that we need to take in order to go, like to advance to the next step. Yeah, so it's, it's, you have to be very truthful and very aware. There's like good good pain and bad pain. Yeah. You have to listen to yourself to know kind of there's discomfort, which is okay. Yeah. But like true pain, then your body's saying no more. No more, exactly. Yeah, for example, in Marichas, in Danushishasana, see, that you put your toes and the, the, the toes are like, oh my God, you know, and like yeah. the toes twisted <laughs> and squish and everything. You have to go through that pain. <laughs> that one you need to take, for example. But if the knee is hurting, for example, so it's, it's not good. You have to go maybe like step back a little bit. Yeah, but it's 
is is all is the 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 yoga the yoga path I think is a very personal and very intimate and it's uh, self discovering. So you are the one who can say how much you know. I can tell you. I can tell you when when I'm in class. I can tell you this. I can tell you that. But at the end of the day, is your is your process. It's your path. I think also it's that struggle between ego, where you want to fight for a pose, and that's where you have to like check the ego to say yes. Yeah, yeah. It's not about the pose or sticking the pose. It's just about the practice. Yes. Yeah. It's like the the my little daughter telling me that she wants to play with the scissors, and she's playing with the scissors like this, you know. So that's the ego. That is the ego. This the the little child playing with the with the scissors. So you have to take the scissors away, you know. So so she doesn't hurt herself. That is that that is so much the ego. So you, it's a good way to to sometimes we're practicing. It's like, am I being a child with scissors playing <laughs> like this? You know. <laughs> so yeah. Because yeah, I can deal with that sort of balance of whether when I'm being um, doing being motivated by egotistic um, <coughs> reasons, or being sort of like compassion, being compassionate, or being my, uh, sort of like the compassionate coach type figure. And I think it's for me, it's whether you're if you're doing the motivation is because you've been told it's good or bad. That's egotistic. If you're doing it because you're doing it for self love. That's usually a clear identification. So with the child, you you know, um, let's take it to something like not having ice cream rather than playing with scissors. Yeah. If you tell the child, don't have ice cream, and they go, why? And say, because I said so. That's probably egotistic because you're doing it because you've been told it's good or it's bad to eat ice cream. But if you're doing it because you know that too much sugar is going to hurt the child, there's no question, you know. Yeah. Like they can't. It's not no longer a battle of wills. It's like, yeah, the motivation is really important. Yeah. And that's probably the truthfulness coming back into it is to see what is my true motivation for coming to this mat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> coming back to the to the child example. Normally, when my daughter asks me for something that it's not good for her, I have to explain her why. And normally, I have to tell her, and that that helps me that myself to do it too why why cannot i do this thing you know because i have to go and say say this is not good for you it's not it is not because i don't want to because i am your your mother and i don't just don't want to it's because it's not good for you you know so i have to go like in so many steps to let her know this is not good i'm gonna take these scissors away because if you keep them, you're going to hurt yourself and they're going to have, going to, have to go to the doctor, the hospital, and maybe they're going to take <laughs> something. I don't know, you know, but it, for myself, it works in the same way. Sometimes I have to, like, explain myself, like, so many things. Yeah. I think just following what this gentleman has said and what you've just said. And the sutras, if I understand what little of them I understand, is all about process, not goals. Because when we're goal-oriented, there becomes an attachment. 
And if we're instead focused simply on the process and on truth, then we're going to ultimately achieve that goal, but we're not going to suffer either, because when we focus on goals anytime it's not present, presently something we've achieved, there's always suffering involved with that. There is a goal in yoga, though. The goal of yoga is liberation. Well, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, course, yes. Yeah. I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. But. Also, the goal of liberation is not one that, at least in what I've studied, we're supposed to expect to achieve in this lifetime. It may or may not be. We just, that's the yeah. goal. We're tr focusing in that direction, but we're focused on the process. It doesn't matter, exactly. There isn't, there is many ways to see it. The um, uh, bhakti yogis, for example, they just do it. They do the, the, the practice or the, the action they do. They just keep doing and they offer to, to God. And they say there is a, a good way to, to achieve liberation without going through all this process. You know? so, um, so I think there is, there is important to have a goal, that goal. The goal of liberation. I didn't say, just to be clear, I didn't say not to have a goal, I said not to focus on the goal. Yeah, I guess a constant thing when you're doing the practice, you don't want to be focused on, I gotta get this just right, rather it's just doing the practice, knowing that you have that goal. I think, yeah, for me, I the, the distinction is a vision versus a goal. For me, vision is not time bound, whereas goal in our kind of you know, because uh, we, we work, you know, uh, most yeah. in the corporate world, the goal has, you know, by the end of the year, year, we will do this. Whereas the vision is, you know, quest for zero defect or, you know, there's no time down to give, it allows you to have direction. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't matter the time. It doesn't matter how long. It doesn't matter how, like, it matters how. It does matter how. But we do have, because the, the, um, the goal is what, what inspires us to keep doing all this. If we don't have something that inspires us, so why, you know? Why we do all this? I mean, these, these practices are hard practice. It is hard to sit, I mean, forget about all this asana process. Just sit and try to meditate. I mean, it's a hard, hard practice. It's a hard practice. So, so if you have something that is inspiring you to do that, like, it's, it's really hard, I would say. Yeah. So. It's kind of hard to start meditating, and even to start a yoga practice. But I don't. I, I think that the practices themselves can be difficult, but I don't find them hard to do it. That's yeah. Kind of too. Yeah, yeah. We in the in the yoga practice we do this. There's another aspect that is called tapas, and it's the self the self discipline. So there are some things that we need to do that we probably won't like. We probably won't like to wake up at some time to practice or practice in some places or not eat those things or not sleep at this time or like, you know, like we have to do some things that we don't like and that is called tapas. That is self-discipline. Yeah. <laughs> No? No more questions? Okay. Uh, okay, we're going to have to like cut up a little bit. <laughs> um, okay, so the celibacy, non-attachment.
Salivasi, <laughs> Brahmacharya in Asana. Yeah, we can do that. Just go and don't look at the girl with the, with the shorts. <laughs> don't look too much. <laughs> okay, it's just a bad joke. <laughs> um, okay, so the niyamas, saucha, purity, santosha, contentment. Yeah, let's talk about santosha. Um, and contentment again, like uh, Santosh is a good, a good, um, like a good element to work in the asana practice, like being content with what we have, and that's that. That way we work in. Uh, we can work in in ahimsa if we are content. We don't have to push too much, um, in non-attachment because. We are content, we don't need anything else, but just this today, what we have, this. Um, and Ishvara Pranidana, like being so content what has been given to us, you know. And Swadhyaya, like being so content that the, the scriptures got somehow to our hands and our lives, and we can practice this. Uh, so yeah, there's, there is a lot of, Santosha is a good element to work in towards the, the other uh, yamas and niyamas in the, in the asana practice. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Any questions? No? Okay. Um, uh, yeah. And again, Ishvara Pranidana uh, as, a, as an aspect of one of the of the the, the ways to work and how to direct the mind once the body is relaxed and content and there is no harming and like like when there is so much stillness uh, there is an, as you were asking where to focus on we can focus on Ishvara Ishvara Pranayana is like surrender to God so there is a time where we can where the body is so relaxed that we can actually do that, in theory. <laughs> I haven't been there yet. So, yeah. Yeah? Okay. I think that's pretty much it, what I wanted to talk to you. Any comments before we wrap it up? Yeah. Um, during your practice, what do you focus on? So many things. <laughs> I have a problem. It's kind of a problem because I am a teacher. So normally when I am practicing myself, I am a lot, I think, about my students. Because, because I, um, I want to explore myself, my body, how it works, and my mind, how it works and how to get into some asanas, because that way I can teach my students. There is no, there is no other way. So normally, normally more than my teachers or getting a, a goal, I just, I, I think, not that I'm, I'm focused on this, but sometimes I'm, I'm in my practice, I do something, like, oh, this can work for this person, or this, this can help this person to do this, you know? So normally I'm thinking about my students, and I'm so happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you have any suggestions, recommendations, you know, for us to kind of like, you know, be 
dispassionate or not, you know, focused and like check the ego, but as we're practicing to try to be calm, relaxed. Your breath. Focus on your breath. Yeah, start with the breath and then we talk. <laughs> yeah. For I think the the there are some practices in in meditation that we, they focus on the breath. So I think the breath is a good 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 element to use as a matter of the of focusing or like directing the mind. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Okay, chicos. <laughs> Can you talk a little more about content? Content. I don't know the Pali or Sanskrit other word. Uh, Nishvara. Santosha. Oh, Santosha. Santosha. Yeah. Yeah. And understanding um, how is it? How is it defined? How is it defined? Yeah. As um, is contentment, which means that you are satisfied with what you have. That is the the. My very with my very poor English translation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like there is no when there is no attachment. Um, so you you're pretty much happy with what you have. Do you expect to have more? And you are happy with what with this, whatever it is, your family, your body, your possessions. So you're content with that, and you don't expect to have more. And does Patanjali talk about motivation in that context? Motivation? Yes. The motivation is having no attachment at all. So actually getting things done. Getting, getting, getting things done when you have complete contentment. Getting, yeah, but yeah, because we need to keep doing, doing stuff. Kriya yoga, it's uh, the, the yoga we, we were talking about. Uh, the prefix K-R means to do. So we are actually doing. So it's, it's, it's the yoga of action, of doing. This yoga of Patanjali. So yeah, of course, you need, you need to keep doing. In that aspect, the, the contentment uh, or the non-attachment, it's, uh, you can do it when you can offer the results of your practice of, or your actions to Ishvara or to God. Thank you. Sure. Yeah? You're so quiet. I don't like when people are too quiet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think yeah. this has been really good um, to, re to remember why we do the, the physical practice because I'm sort of at a point where it's not that I'm sick of it. It's just that <laughs> no, that happens. So much, but like I'm at a point where some mornings I'm just so tired, and I think to myself, "Oh, I'll just go meditate because that's it's easy. More, that's more important anyway." And this is like asana is just one of seven other elements, and so I rationalize these things to myself. But um, but no, I think this is a good reminder of why we do the physical practice and. I mean, yeah, I personally really needed to hear this because I've been missing a lot of rest. Yeah, I think I think yeah. At some point, we human beings we get bored with the same thing. You know, you know, like doing the same thing every day. It can can be bored, but we have if we have a different motivation that is like I mean beyond all this, then then it's easier to come to the mat. It's much easier. 
Yeah, and, and nothing that we are working, like we are working out. We're doing a spiritual practice. Yeah, yeah. It, is, it is like one leg of the octopus, you know? Maybe the octopus can walk without the other legs, but it works better, it works better with, the, with the all eight. <laughs> so, so, yeah. And, and, and it is nice to, know, to, to think that it's, um, it is not less or more important than the other limbs. It's the same. It's as important as the other ones. But we cannot just focus on that. We cannot just like rely on that for for like more like bigger purposes in life. Yeah, we cannot only rely on your in asana. We need to work on the other ones. Yeah. Um, just on the, the concept of motivation um, in university, at the paper, and I had to look at um, uh, human human behavior, and there's a couple of models about what you know. Um, explaining human behavior. Um, there's the um, stimuli response, is that we act in pure response to external stimuli. Right? There's the precognitive, which is all behavior stems from the mind. So we, we only act after we've thought it. And then there's a, um, a third one, which kind of is in the middle. It's called perceptual control. So we behave to control our perceptions. So in that particular case, is you have a desired perception and you have the actual perception, and we behave to bring the actual perception in line with mm. our desired perception. That's so santosha is where your desired perception meets the, your actual perception. What you desire is right in front of you, um, and so then you are satisfied with where you are. Now, obviously, that's a transient state because well, you need to breathe, you need to each need to, you know. But if you keep your desires minimal, it's much easier to always come back to a state of satisfaction. It's these very elaborate desires that we have, like, I want it to be winter or summer. <laughs> you know, um, that's going to cause you to, you know, not be satisfied for half the year or something like that. So, yes, that's. Does, thank you. Thank you, it was very interesting. I can give you three examples. Like one that might help you and, and that can illustrate, I guess, Santosha, which is one of my favorite things. I remember actually, maybe I was part of one of them. Uh, I remember one time when I thought I was plateauing, eventually you will plateau. You're repeating the same thing over and over. And you think that it happened to me, I was in the primary series every day, the same thing, I'm doing the same thing. And all of a sudden I asked myself, why do you think you're plateauing when you haven't mastered anything, there's so much stuff that you still need to do that you haven't even deepened into the process. What can you pick in this practice that you can work towards that? And I said, oh, jump back and jump through. So I'm not even lifting my ass, look a little bit. <laughs> and I focused solely on that, and that was a big game changer. And I shared that with students. And as the universe will have it, two days after I read, some teacher, one of those big senior teachers said that if you feel like you plateau, pick something in your practice and focus, not on the physical, just focusing on, on, on doing that. And then that's when I started working in the jump backs and the jump throughs, focusing in every single one. I was very exhausted, but in my mind, I was plateau no more. And, <laughs> and I started increasing more energy and having such love and passion for primary series. 
which then became an attachment, which then led me to have aversion towards intermediate. I didn't want to do it. So Santosha then became uh, realizing that you must put yourself through discomfort, tapas. That was a big ordeal. I didn't want to deal with like the freaking second series and the back bends and <laughs> up. And so then I have to have Santosha, acceptance, contentment, that this practice is a practice of effort and that we're not doing this to be pleasurable, that every pose needs to be yummy and then we're there. And I, and I share with students with this other guy that uh, he said he's interviewed top uh, athletes, professional musicians will tell you this, big CEO, my successful people, that every single day you have to do something that's uncomfortable on a daily basis if you want to live a comfortable life. Because, and, and he hit me the other day, I was doing practice, and I said, you know, sometimes uh, I never like to pre-do, pre-warm-ups and whatever uh, before the practice, because it's supposed to be raw. You feel your body, you do your things. But lately, you know, you do your little pre-warms, your hamstrings stretch and whatever, like if you're in the Olympic Games, before you do the practice. <laughs> and I was getting a little attached to that, and I let it go a few days, and Alex reminded me today, before a couple thousand and that's so uncomfortable. I'm doing like coffee stretch and go outside and stretch my back and whatever before doing the pose. So you can feel good. But it shouldn't be that way. And I thought of Sharon, he said the same thing. And actually I enjoyed it the times that I don't do all these preparations because I can feel what are the areas of tightness and just look for it and go and work more with the breath. So that's Santosha also comes in, in play in place and uh just taking the asana, like Alex was talking, not reinventing the wheel, just do your thing. And you know, you're doing this not because to feel like unicorns or anything like that. It's a place to observe, like <laughs> me said, it's a place to observe the mind, observe yourself while you're doing this uncomfortable thing. Because in comfort, you're not gonna be observing anything. Me yeah, and, and, <laughs> and also we tend to we tend to think as well as in the in, in the yamas and the niyamas, we tend to think that there are some asanas that are more important than the other ones. That is not true. They're all important. So kapotasana or subtakurmasana is not they're not more important than the other ones. So why to give so much attention to that? You know. It's like, that was a, such a game changer yeah. because they changed that aversion that I had that I didn't want to anymore. Now after like I read this guy, I said, okay, I woke up and whatever. But then I remember I had to put myself into this cup and then I, I feel okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm very, I can be in pleasure for forever. So yeah, that's exactly. That's why yeah. they had me wake up earlier. Otherwise, <laughs> it would be so great for me. <laughs> but I have to put myself through that discomfort. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and just take it, take it as it is, you know, do it, just, just do it. We are not so special, we are not. And, it's, it's such and at the same time, we are so special. It's exactly how you say yeah. it, it's to observe. It's to observe, exactly. Cultivate awareness. Yeah, exactly. I had that same experience that you had with um, getting into a lotus position. With Tim, when I first started to learn how to do pranayama years ago, I, I used to go to class and he'd sit in Padmasana and I and I would uh, sit in Padmasana too. And the pain that I was feeling oh, yeah. was excruciating. <laughs> <laughs> but I would sit there real cool and everything, and tears would be coming. 
<laughs> and, I, and my mind was telling me, geez, you know, what is this, you know, maybe you should take it easy or something. But I, I kept going and I kept sitting in Padmasana. And like after six months of doing that, five days a week, it got, it got comfortable. Yeah. I forgot to say this story about it. Yeah. About Irvine, so when I, I, this was years ago, you were teaching at 6 a.m., like two, three times a week. And there was this other really good teacher, Javier. Yeah. I remember he was teaching the other days, you know? So, and I, I'm like sort of like new to my practice, my body in the mornings, like not happening. And I could tell he was an awesome teacher because he caught me not breathing your backs and your doing. He gave me some techniques you can smell that he was a badass teacher. So I'm like, oh, this is just so good. And I was able to get things that I was not getting before that were elusive. So then another day, a few days after that, he went to adjust me in my chest and I my feet were my big problem, like really tight ankles or whatever. And, uh, and he got me into an adjustment that my foot made so many cracking noises so loud that everybody stopped. Like it was so bad. The foot like got into my chest, like I don't know where my foot was, and he got me into the deepest body. And I came out of it, it didn't hurt, but it sounded like not normal. <laughs> and after that, I couldn't, my feet, I worked on my feet all day standing. So whenever I will do even Ardhaparapadmotanasana, or even some salutations, right away my foot will get swollen. And then I, I was like a little horse with a broken foot, like going like that. So I took like, uh, I think it was like seven, eight days off from practice. And I saw him in Starbucks and Western Ave in West Avenue. And I see her and I'm like, oh, Emilia, I explained to her why I haven't been to practice. You know, this happened to me and I don't understand this guy, he was so awesome, but I don't know what happened. He just like so deep and this and that. And Emilia, as she will have it, she's so positive. <laughs> oh, that's fine. She tells me, that's really good. That's really good. Good. <laughs> Wait, then she tells me, like, I haven't been able to practice. This is going to take me months and whatever. No, that's good. We've all been to that. No, take your time. Take about a week. That's fine. You'll be back to practice. You'll get there, something that you needed. And the fact that she said that something clicked in my head, it switched in my head. And then I came back, and Patrick was the one that took over right after, every day. And then my Marichasanas, uh, let's say this leg is in half lotus, it had me, the food, I couldn't even bring it this close because it was already, let's say this is in half lotus, I will bring, like, forget about the heel being close to the seat anymore, like this, and then the food will already get swollen. So Patrick would say, like this, every day, you bring it a little bit more, every day. And then soon after that, a few, two, three months after that, Marichasana was with, like, full time, which it wasn't even happening before. I always had to have the help of a teacher. So it was something that I had to go through. Yeah. So, like she said, but sometimes we get, like I get it, that's how I recognize that on you or some students, <laughs> that I, if it's up to me, I'm in comfort for forever. And the second that I experience something that's a little funky, uh, you know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So sometimes that's why we have to, if you start knowing yourself, then you recognize it. As long as it's not a sharpshooting pain on a joint, that's important. But things like that that needs to open, then you have to put up with it. Yeah, we, it, sometimes we, we want to avoid pain yeah. at all costs, you know? Yeah. And like we, we tend to protect ourselves too much and that's why the Ashtanga Yoga system is so, like has so many enemies because we sometimes we go like beyond that and, um, and the adjustments are hard, but I think we need to go through pain sometimes. I, from my very Latin perspective, I think we have to learn how to 
feel pain in order to grow. I just, I just feel that we need to feel pain sometimes. That's what that happens. Yeah, sometimes, not all the time. <laughs> Too much pain, not good either. So it's a little bit of pain, it's okay. That's why yeah. you observing. Observing, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, just for me that, that that's usually not it's not an indication to move away, but it's an indication to slow down and tread carefully. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Not, not like, the, the, the masochist if you if you think pain is good, you're gonna push way too hard. If you think pain is bad, you're gonna pull away. Exactly. So that equanimous yeah. mind exactly. be like, Okay, I I have reached my limit now. Let's yeah. take it tiny little bit further. Yes. It's like pain is part of the process. Pain is just part of the, of the process. So. This might be of service along the lines of what you just said and Patricia was saying is that in psychology now, um, the understanding is that to bring your client or patient up to their window of tolerance mm -hmm. and to be with them there and help them to learn to be with that discomfort normalizes it and they, you bring them back into comfort and you bring them back up to the window of tolerance, back into comfort, back into window of tolerance. And so by doing that, this pushes higher and higher and higher. And I think that that's a big part of the process of enlightenment. Yeah, exactly. It's even here in the asana practice that we do, we, we go through pain, 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 like the last asana we do, like until it gets so comfortable and we're like happy, and then the, the next one comes. Yeah, again, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> again, pain, pain, pain. It gets comfortable, and then okay, the next one. So that's what they say: new, new pose, new pain. Mm -hmm. so that's, that's what they say. It's <laughs> a metaphor for life, though. I yes, mean, it really is. Never as soon as you kind of get to a place where you're comfortable, like something else happens, will and suddenly you're kind of, you know. Yeah. Struggling a little bit. Again. Exactly. It's, like it, it's, it's such a good teacher because life is not always just going to be smooth and easy. And right. Exactly. It's going to be, you know, conflict and difficulties and yeah, and if you have been able, if you've been observing your, yourself in that specific asana where it hurts and it's hard to do and observe, 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 the next one, it's not that it's going to be easier, but you know how to act and re how, do you, how do you act in that asana and how to change that. You know? That's the beauty of, of Ashtanga, what I love, is that we're always, you're never there, you're always going to be there. No. I remember yeah. when I caught, when I was, the first time that I bind on my own in Marisa B was out of desperation because I could see that Patrick was coming. <laughs> and then all these comments just like, and he was looking at me like, go, and I, and I did, and I said, okay, I don't need to get adjusted, and this was by Patrick. And ever since then, I started adjusting. Guess what? We jumped in the came. And it was the best. And then one and the other, and Garfield and Patrick put in the elbows and the arms, and then like, getting bruised all over them. Yeah. Then it's because the practice gets too long. Then. Yeah, some, then there's always something. Whatever. Always something. Yeah. I think that's the thing that you don't realize. Is it's not, that's why it's not about the end goal, it's about every single day experiencing a little bit of discomfort. If you realize that, then you don't push yourself because you know, it's, like this is actually... You just take it as it is. Yeah, because you're going to have to go, this is why there's like four different series, is because yeah. you plow through them. You know, when you're 50, what are you going to do? Now you've got to go ridiculously, you've got to do weird, weird things. So if you don't, yeah. <laughs>
Okay. Careful. This practice is going to cost me until I die. So, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit Then that's the pranayama. Like, I'm, I'm saving that one until I'm finished. <laughs> yeah, retirement plan. Yeah, that's why when when we go, like, we finish the primary series and we start the, doing the, the other series, primary series becomes the easy practice. So Fridays, that is supposed to be the easy day, you do primary series only, and it's supposed to feel good. Okay. Yes, like the one where we don't feel pain, yes. That happens. Yeah. It happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At some point. Yeah, it will happen. I want to know what do you think about the uh, women's cycles in asana. Not just menstruation, because we know that we must do rest minimum three days, the first three days, but the other parts of our cycle. Like pregnancy and pregnancy and all that stuff? Um, no, pre-ovulation, pre-menstruation, because our energy is not the same and I, I feel the same sometimes like her and so many women around me that practice Ashtanga um, too. So. I, I think it's important to be aware in that and to hear the history about yeah. another one. Yeah, but that comes with observation as well. And it's, uh, again, it's like uh, in the observation, you, you kind of understand when in your cycle you get, like you lose energy when you're more energetic. So I think it's, again, it's a very personal practice. and. Just listen to your body and and just be truthful. Yeah, I will say that. Yeah, I just I don't I don't know. <laughs> I I am getting older, so my practice has changed a little bit with the, over the years because I cannot do as much as I used to do. So I, I need to respect my body, you know, the the process of my body. Um, and I think that's been the way I have like uh, work with the with the cycle. Like my cycle is is been that. Like I'm getting older, so the day I don't feel like like hundred percent, I don't I don't even try to go hundred percent because I know because I also have a daughter and I have to I have to deal with her like the rest of the day. I cannot just like invest all my energy to that because I need to do other stuff, I need to teach, I need to, you know, so that's, you need to be truthful. Again, yeah, sure. Okay, you guys, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Namaste. Enjoy your asana. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Chat and Chai Yoga Talks from Miami Life Center. Thanks for tuning in. In our other episodes, you'll find talks on each of the limbs of Ashtanga Yoga according to Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. And come visit us. We're in the heart of South Beach in Miami. Miami Life Center is dedicated to the study of yoga and the lineage of our teachers, Sri K. Patabi Joyce and his grandson, Arshrat Joyce. We have Mysore classes, guided classes, pranayama, restorative classes, and we even have workshops with world-renowned teachers and community events going on all the time. 
Sangha, translated as community, is really important to us at Amalsi. We recognize it as a necessary pillar for walking down the spiritual path, and this podcast is a way for us to extend our Sangha to all of you listening, to create a stronger and more connected community of yoga practitioners. If you're interested in learning more about us and what we do, or if you just want to stay in touch, visit our website www.miamilifecenter.com or follow us on Instagram at Miami Life Center. Thanks for listening to Chat and Chai, Yoga Talks from Miami Life Center. Namaste.